Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus Story Podcast. This is episode number 10. This podcast tells the stories of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. I'm your storyteller. George Taylor. If you're new to this podcast, I invite you to go all the way back to the beginning. Now, that's going to be 10 episodes or nine episodes, really, and listen to our previous episodes. See, we're telling the story of Jesus in chronological order, or as best as can be determined to be a chronological order. So, what happens before today is important for understanding the events which we will describe in today's Jesus story. We make these Jesus stories available to you free of charge because of the support of those who can afford to do so. So what about you? Are you willing to help us keep this podcast going? It's really very easy. You just visit my website, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. You'll find ways to support us financially, whether it's a one-time contribution or a small ongoing monthly contribution. Either way, any help is appreciated, and it will go to reach the over 2,000 listeners per month from all around the globe who hear this podcast. So won't you help? Just visit that website, jesusstories.info, that's jesusstories.info, and click on the support this podcast tab to find out how. Other than praying for us, one of the best ways to support us is through word of mouth advertising. Tell your friends. Tell people that you're listening to this podcast. Invite them to listen to. You can also rate and review us on your podcast player, and we appreciate whatever you're willing to do. This week's story picks up in Jerusalem. Jesus had traveled to Jerusalem for a Jewish holy day or feast of the Jews. The Bible's not specific about which holy day, but the occasion is used to explain Jesus' travels back to Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus is an observant Jew living under the laws of Judaism. This holy day was probably one which required the obedient Jew to travel to Jerusalem for spiritual reasons. Jesus comes to a gate of the city known as the Sheep Gate. This is situated on the northeast corner of the old city. There's a pool of water there covered by five colonnades or porches. The pool is named Bethesda in Aramaic. Some say this translates to mean house of mercy or house of grace. It's an appropriate name for the events which the Gospel of John describes to us next. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. 
Why are they there? John doesn't really say, but some scribes have added some commentary to try and explain their reason for being there. They were waiting for the water to be stirred. Whoever was the first into the water after it was stirred would be healed from their disease, whatever it was. So when Jesus comes by this pool, he focuses on one man who had been there, waiting for 38 years. Due to his paralysis, he couldn't get into the pool at the time when the waters were stirred. So Jesus asks that man if he wants to get well. The man says that he has no one to put him in the water at the right time. Someone else beats him into the pool. Jesus responds by saying, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. The man does just that. But there is a problem. The day this miracle occurred was on the Sabbath. So let's stop and offer some explanation. Per the Jewish law, the Sabbath was a day of rest mandated by Jehovah on the seventh day of every week. In other words, Saturday was supposed to be a resting day, a holy day. God puts it this way when he gave his law to his people. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God even went further with these words. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. Keeping the Sabbath was extraordinarily important to God and to the people of Israel. To ensure that no one worked on the Sabbath, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of Israel at the time Jesus was living on earth, went so far as to define in excruciating detail what was meant by work. They listed 39 tasks which could not be done on the Sabbath. For instance, you could walk on the Sabbath day from one point to another, but only so far from your home. You couldn't carry anything except in exceptional cases like moving a lame person from one place to another. But our healed man was carrying his mat, a Sabbath no-no. The Jewish leaders challenged the man. You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. The man replies that the one who healed him 
told him to pick up his mat and walk. The leaders want to know the identity of this man. However, he has no idea, and Jesus has disappeared into the crowd. I wonder if the leaders knew that this man couldn't walk earlier in the day. Later, Jesus finds the man in the temple. The man was now whole. Jewish law prohibited him from entering the temple before his healing. Now, however, he could enter. So Jesus searches for him and gives him a warning. Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Now, we have no idea of the nature of the man's sin or if the sin was the cause of his inability to walk. We just hear Jesus warning the man to stop sinning. The man, now knowing who healed him, reports that his healer was Jesus to the Jewish leaders who had challenged him. As a result, the leadership begins harassing Jesus for breaking their Sabbath rules. To his harassment, Jesus makes an extraordinary claim. My father is always working, and so am I. That raises the ire of these leaders. They try all the more to find a way to kill Jesus for two reasons. First, as we've stated, he's broken their Sabbath rules. And secondly, through this last statement, he has called Jehovah his father, thus making himself equal to God. To them, this statement was equal to blasphemy. But Jesus doesn't stop there. The book of John, from which this story is taken, is filled with monologues about the theology of Jesus and his relationship with God. This is one I'll attempt to summarize for you. Jesus begins by stating that he and the Father, Jehovah, are connected. First, they are connected in deeds. What the Father does, Jesus says, he is doing. The Son can do nothing by himself. Secondly, they are connected by love. In love, the Father shows the Son, Jesus, everything he is doing. In fact, Jesus says, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And you'll be really surprised. Notice how Jesus is putting himself in a subordinate position to the Father. Think of a father teaching his son a trade. So Jesus is learning from Jehovah God. Then Jesus speaks of the authority which Jehovah has given to him. Just like the Father gives life, so the Son gives life. The Jews acknowledged that only Jehovah, the Father, could raise someone from the dead— as we will see, Jesus' statement that he can give life will be proved later on in his ministry. Furthermore, the Father has passed the authority to judge to the Son, so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. In other words, you cannot separate Jehovah God, the Father, from Jesus, the Son. To do so dishonors the Father. Jesus and Jehovah are connected in deeds, love, and authority. Jesus then makes an extraordinary statement. Let me read to you from John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. 
Did you understand that statement? Jesus starts by saying, I tell you the truth. These are words in, in the original language which mean amen, amen. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen up, I'm about to say something really important. And here is that message. Those who hear the message of Jesus and believe in Jehovah are given eternal life. They will never be condemned. They have already gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. So what does it mean to be spiritually dead or spiritually alive? Do you know the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Jehovah God creates man and woman, puts them in the garden, and gives them one no-no. Don't eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you will die. Of course, man and woman, being human, eat of that tree. But do they die? Well, no, not in the physical sense, but something happens to their relationship with Jehovah God. While they were in the garden, before they ate from the tree, Jehovah God would come and spend time with them in the garden. After they ate from the tree, after they had sinned, God not only threw them out of their home, the Garden of Eden, but he also was not spending time with them as before. By the way, you can read this whole story in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. When they were in the garden and in community with Jehovah God, Adam and Eve were spiritually alive. After they were thrown out of the garden and separated from Jehovah God, they were spiritually dead. This concept of spiritual life figures prominently in this next section of Jesus' discourse. He continues. He reiterates what he has already said and then amplifies it with examples. He's already said that both he and the Father have the power to give life. So he reiterates that those who are spiritually dead will hear his voice and will become spiritually alive. This is because the Son has been given that power as well as the power to judge. There must have been some reaction from the religious leaders at this point, as Jesus says, don't be so surprised. Then he gets really interesting. Indeed, he says, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Yeah, you heard that right. Jesus is saying, at the hearing of his voice, those who have been dead and buried will come out of their graves. That's a powerful statement, but it doesn't end there. Let me again quote Jesus. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. So let's break that down. First of all, this is something that Jesus talked about in somewhat different language in our episode six telling of his conversation with Nicodemus. There he said that, all who do evil hate the light, and those who do what is right come into the light. He's making a similar distinction here. Those who do good will experience eternal life, and he's talking about a physical life, not a spiritual life. Those who continue in evil will experience judgment, this judgment being rendered by Jesus based on his authority from God. So he reminds his listeners that this judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Wow, that's a lot to digest. 
So I'm not going to take you any further into Jesus' argument today, but let's summarize what he's told the religious leaders of his time right now. First, Jesus states that he and his father Jehovah are connected, not only in deeds, but in love. Second, Jesus states that Jehovah has also given him authority to bestow life, just as the Father does. Third, so Jesus and Jehovah cannot be separated. To do that dishonors the Father. Fourth, Jesus' authority to bestow life includes spiritual life, bringing people into relationship with Jehovah. And fifth, Jesus also has the authority to raise persons from physical death. I think that's plenty to digest for this episode, but you may want to read the story for yourself in John chapter 5 or listen to the podcast again. Jesus has more to say on this subject. I'm going to save that for the next episode, however, along with more of Jesus' challenges to the Sabbath rules which the leaders have put into place. In the meantime, I want you to think about this question. What proof does Jesus have to support his claims? That's a question we'll answer next week. These Jesus stories come to you because of your support, both prayerfully and from your pocketbook. We appreciate that support. Maybe you're not a supporter yet. Would you carefully and prayerfully consider joining this ministry? Just go to JesusStories.info, click on the Support This Podcast tab in the menu. Any amount is gratefully appreciated. If you become a monthly donor, I have some extras for you. Jesus Stories extras, that is. Check them out on the website at JesusStories.info. Under the Support This Podcast tab, click on Become a Patron. Or go and visit directly at patreon.com slash Jesus Stories. You can also find links to all the social media sites on our webpage, JesusStories.info. We'll see you in two weeks for the next Jesus Stories. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.